Catholic Connection is a co-production of Ave Maria Radio and EWTN Radio and carried across the EWTN Global Catholic Radio Network. Welcome to Catholic Connection with Teresa Tamio, keeping you connected to your faith and your world. Teresa tackles the issues of faith and culture, the pro-life message, and media awareness. And now, here's Teresa Tamio. Hope you're having a beautiful Friday already. It is uh, September 8th, and this is the memorial, as you heard Father Mitch discuss on the program yesterday, of the Nativity of Our Lady. Blessed Mother, pray for us. And it's really cool when you sign up for the free EWTN newsletters, their emails, they send you some great background information. And they have a special page already set up that you can go directly to with the various events that are coming up in the calendar. So today they have all kinds of information, for example, and I received my email this morning, which was awesome, all about today, which again on the calendar marks the birth of our Blessed Mother. Yeah, it is absolutely beautiful and makes it very, very easy to understand more about church teaching. So for example, the headline or the subject matter is, Why is the birth of Mary important to the church? Dear Teresa, today the church celebrates the nativity of the Blessed Virgin Mary. This day is important due to Mary's vital role in salvation history. Only three birthdays are celebrated in the church's liturgical calendar, the nativity of our Lord, nativity of St. John the Baptist, and the nativity of Mary, uniquely honoring the three principal figures connected to the incarnation and the redemption. And they have a special page, as I mentioned, dedicated to this. So what are the questions? They answer such questions as, what is the story behind Mary's birth? How do you celebrate the Nativity of Mary? Who are the patron saints of grandparents? So again, this is so easy to do, to sign up for these emails, and bada boom, bada bing, you have Catholic teaching in a very succinct way and very well put together, and just lovely pages dedicated to the various saints and the topics. So check that out. You can do that through EWTN.com. Okay, speaking of EWTN, right after the break, we're going to check in with our president and chief operating officer, Doug Keck, who joins us every Friday at about 15 minutes past the hour for the Inside Word, which gives you an inside look ahead of time on the great programming coming up on EWTN. So you can check it out, make a note, put it on your phone calendar, whatever you do to keep things organized so you won't miss a thing. And again, everything can always be found at EWTN.com. Fact Check Friday. Have you heard about this story out of Ireland? It's really caught on in terms of getting a lot of press. Parents in Ireland decided, and the whole town agreed with this, in this particular town in Ireland, I think it's called Greystones, and it's outside of Dublin. And we'll talk a little bit more detail at the bottom of the hour. But it's a beautiful story of how parents and others, other leaders in the community said, okay, enough with the cell phones and kids. We're going to do an experiment and ban the cell phones, take the cell phones away from the kids and not return them until they're a little bit older. And wow, surprise, surprise, what a difference it made. A very important step to take because, as you know, we ran a story earlier this week in the news about a study regarding toddlers younger children and how their development can be delayed when they're one or two years old, depending on how much media they're consuming. Yeah, yeah. And the other thing, though, about this is that parents were noticing that the children were a lot closer to them. There was a lot more, you know, hugging and a lot more personal attention to each other and real FaceTime. Surprise, surprise. We'll talk about that 
at the bottom of the hour. And then wrapping up with a lovely interview with my dear friend, Dr. Edward Shree. You know him well from his great work on EW Chen, Focus from the Augustine Institute, and of course, Ascension Press. There is a brand new book all about prayer that we're going to discuss with Dr. Shree that will wrap us up on a Friday morning. Let's take a look at the weather before we check out the news. It's another busy news day as well. So we still have excessive heat warnings in effect for much of Texas today and then the desert southwest both tomorrow and Sunday. And there is a slight risk of severe thunderstorms across the eastern portions of the southern plains then that will happen, um, gosh, going into the weekend. And the northeast and mid-Atlantic region also issues there. And then an isolated dry thunderstorm risk is forecast for portions of the west to the northwest. So keep that in mind as this heat wave uh, continues in parts of the country. Right now, four minutes past the hour. Thanks for tuning in to EWTN. Let's get started with the news on a Friday. Well, a leaked internal memo obtained by Catholic Vote from the U.S. Senate Committee on Veterans Affairs has exposed the VA for promoting extensive abortion propaganda to veterans and staff. In addition to the memo, Catholic Vote acquiring a staff training video describing abortions as opportunities for growth and instructing employees that both men and women can become pregnant. The video also invites, according to Catholic Vote, those taking part to think of ways to encourage expectant mothers to abort their babies, but in a sensitive, inclusive, and affirming way. The Catholic Vote Director of Government Affairs, Tom McCluskey, says, while unsurprising, these matters confirm that the Biden administration's VA is thumbing its nose at long-standing federal law and not only funding abortions with taxpayers' dollars, but promoting the murder of American children. The VA adding abortion and abortion counseling to its health insurance package in September of last year, disregarding, Catholic Vote explains, a 1992 law prohibiting the VA from providing abortions for veterans. The coverage also in violation of the 1976 Hyde Amendment, which bans nearly all taxpayer-funded abortions. Catholic News Agency reporting this very important story. Research in the archives of the Pontifical Biblical Institute in Rome, uncovering a list of the names of thousands of Jewish people who found shelter from Nazi persecution in Catholic religious great congregations in Rome, from 1943 to 1944. CNA says while some of the information was first published back in 1961, the full documentation, particularly the list of people hidden in the Catholic institutions, had been considered lost. The Nazi occupied, Nazis occupied Rome from September 10th of 43 until June of 44 when the city was liberated. Now during the nine-month period, approximately 10 to 15,000 Jews faced persecution Almost 2,000 of them, including children and adolescents, were deported and murdered. The newly rediscovered documentation references more than 4,300 people hidden by 100 women's religious congregations and 55 men's religious congregations during that persecution. A high school football coach who won a Supreme Court case last year after losing his job for praying during a game is now resigning from that position. The highest court ruling that Bremerton School District in Washington State violated Joe Kennedy's First Amendment rights. They said his praying at the 50-yard line is considered private speech and cannot be restricted by the school district. Kennedy announced his resignation on his website and said he had several reasons for the decision, including looking after a sick family member. His case was decided in a 6-3 vote along party lines. He wrote on his website that he will continue to advocate 
for constitutional freedom and religious liberty by working from outside the school system. In other news this morning, more than two years after the collapse of Florida's Champlain Tower South in Surfside, federal investigators are working through more than two dozen possible hypotheses of what could have gone wrong. National Institute of Standards and Technology's Dr. Judith Matrani Reiser says researchers have spent more than 100 hours working to find more than two dozen hard drives. And we have a contractor that's currently attempting to rebuild as many as seven damaged hard drives with the hope that any of the discovered footage could really shed light on the collapse timeline and progression. Research appears to focus on construction deficiencies with the pool deck and basement. The goal is to release a report and recommendations by June of 2025, just in time for the fourth anniversary of the tragedy. That tragedy in 2021 killed 98 people. Michael Kastner tells us more than half of Americans believe Joe Biden's policies are making the economy much worse. A new CNN poll found 58% of those surveyed said Biden's policies have worsened economic conditions in the U.S. That's compared to 24% who said his policies are improving the economy and 18% who said his policies had no effect. The poll also put Biden's overall approval rating at 39%. Meanwhile, about two in three Democratic voters said they'd rather see a different nominee than President Biden. That according to a new CNN poll that says 67% of left-leaning voters would indeed like the party to nominate someone other than Biden. That is up from 54% who said the same thing back in March. While some listed a specific alternative they'd like to see rather than Biden, 82% said they prefer anyone other than the current president. The mayor of the largest city in the U.S. says the immigration crisis will kill his hometown if the White House does not step in. This issue will destroy New York City. Speaking this week, Mayor Adams adding the city is not getting enough support from the federal government with 10,000 migrants entering a month. Adams joining a growing chorus of governors and mayors across the nation complaining about the lack, as they see it, of federal help with the migrant immigration crisis coming from the White House. A bill to ban federal mask mandates is coming up short in the Senate. Ohio Republican J.D. Vance arguing children cannot go through another mandate. We know that a generation of school children have suffered significant speech and developmental disabilities because this country panicked instead of using its brain and forced toddlers and small children to wear masks. Vance introducing legislation to ban federal officials from issuing mask mandates for schools, domestic air travel, or public transit. Vance attempted to pass a bill by unanimous consent yesterday on the Senate floor, but the move was blocked by Massachusetts Democrat Ed Markey. And Hurricane Lee, now a Category 4 storm. The National Hurricane Center says rip currents and hazardous surf will spread across the northern Caribbean today and begin affecting the mainland by later this weekend. Lee, which has been swirling around the Atlantic Ocean, is packing maximum sustained winds of roughly 130 miles an hour. It is moving to the west-northwest at 15 miles per hour and could even strengthen into a Category 5 in the next few days. The search for a missing cruise ship passenger off the south Florida coast is on hold. The Coast Guard gave an update yesterday saying they have suspended its rescue for 26-year-old Kevin McGrath. He was last seen in his cabin while on the Carnival cruise ship Conquest on Monday morning when it docked in Miami. Authorities searching the ship as well as a 3,300-square-mile area of nearby waterways. Carnival Cruise Line says an investigation into what happened is still underway. And United Auto Workers Union President Sean Fain says General Motors' latest counterproposal is actually insulting and a waste of time. 
GM offered a counterproposal on Thursday that included a 10% wage increase, additional paid holidays, inflation payments, and more. However, the proposal did not meet all of the union's demands. Aaron Rial tells us that car insurance costs are increasing for hundreds of thousands of American drivers, with some states seeing increases above 50% over the last year. According to the Bureau of Labor Statistics, car insurance for U.S. drivers in July of this year was 16% more expensive than in July of 2022 and 70% more expensive than in 2013. States prone to climate disasters have seen some of the steepest auto rate hikes. A driver's auto bill can increase because of where they live or because of repair services they haven't used, which are becoming more expensive. Even socioeconomic factors like a blue versus white collar job or your education level can affect your rate. A report in Rolling Stone taking aim at the Tonight Show workplace and its host, Jimmy Fallon. The feature story cites former staffers who accuse 48-year-old Fallon of erratic behavior that he seems drunk and the show's workplace is toxic. It added that staff dealt with good Jimmy days and bad Jimmy days and that Fallon had unspected outbursts which affected their workday depending on his mood. Meanwhile, as Mark Mayfield reports, that article now has Jimmy Fallon apologizing after its release. Fallon held a Zoom meeting with employees after the story broke on Thursday and reportedly said that he felt really bad and never intended to create that type of environment. Since the story was published, NBC has also issued a statement expressing pride in the show and stressing that any time an employee has issues, they are encouraged to come forward. It is a Friday, not just any Friday, the Nativity of the Blessed Mother, as we discussed yesterday right here on this very show with our very own Father Mitch Pacwa. And speaking of everything EWTN, we have our President and Chief Operating Officer Doug Keck joining us momentarily. Please stand by or sit by, as we say in broadcasting. Great segment coming up. All that you need to know, the inside word on great programs. So you can make a note of it and not miss a thing. We'll be right back. She was a mystic and reformer who died at the age of 33. Matthew Bunsen and the Doctors of the Church. St. Catherine of Siena accomplished something no one thought possible. She convinced Pope Gregory XI to return to Rome after the popes had lived in France for almost the whole of the 14th century. They've been there ever since. For more about the Doctors of the Church, visit doctorsofthechurch.com. This program is brought to you in part by Charity Mobile, a proud partner of Ave Maria Radio for over 15 years. Charity Mobile is the pro-life cell phone company and has sent nearly $2 million to thousands of pro-life charities. 4G LTE coverage is available nationwide, and 5% of your monthly plan price goes to your favorite pro-life charity. A video introduction is available at CharityMobile.com. Charity Mobile, everyday living, effortless giving. CharityMobile.com. All men are called to work, but for many, work is a grind where we struggle to survive for the sake of our families. A new Heroic Men Summit calls all men to set aside two hours on Saturday, September 9th. Join three powerful Catholic businessmen, including Matthew Kelly, who will discuss how work can bring freedom, meaning, and growth in holiness. Let's do more than bring Christ to the workplace. Let's discover him already there. This is the gospel of work. Register free today at HeroicMen.com. People ask how they can care for older family members who can't fully care for themselves. One answer is Visiting Angels, America's choice in senior home care. Visiting Angels assists adults nationwide with 600 locations to continue living at home and not have to move into a nursing home. 
Their caregivers provide assistance in hygiene, meals, and light housework. Services are provided up to 24 hours per day, and you can select your caregiver before service begins. More information, including franchise opportunities, is on the web at visitingangels.com. Welcome back. Catholic Connection, 16 minutes past the hour. Always great to catch up with Doug Keck, our President and Chief Operating Officer. And Doug, let me take this moment to wish you a happy anniversary to you and your beautiful wife, Terry. 44 years. Congratulations. Well, thank you very much. Much appreciated on our lady's birthday. That's right. That's special. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Even if I didn't appreciate it at the time, I certainly have some subsequently uh, learned to appreciate it absolutely it's incredible when we look back at our lives and where we were especially when we've had a reversion like you and i have and think of like what we didn't pay attention to back then right oh absolutely Uh, absolutely and uh you know and that's why you're 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 so lucky uh that you've been given the gift of your faith and that you had an opportunity that someone cared enough maybe to help you along the way to uh, recapture that and, and realize how important it is in your life and how many times i'm sure all of us We'll say that, you know, life is tough enough with faith and you just can't figure out how people make it without it. Yeah, and I, I think what we're seeing in our society is that you really can't make it without it. And, and that's why there, there's so much chaos, mm-hmm. so much anger and upsetment and, and, you know, suicide and despair. Yeah, absolutely. And this is why what we do is so important. I was commenting at the top of the hour that I get your emails. I get EWTN's emails. And they're so neat because it's they're really nice and concise, but they let you know what's happening every day in the church. I just love it. Right, absolutely. I, I think, uh, you know, the, what we put out there, obviously, our, our CNA, uh, Daily Newswire, really, you know, is great uh, for keeping people abreast of what's going on around the world in multiple languages, but certainly here in the United States in English. And uh, it really keeps you up to date, lets you know what's happening, and it allows you to, you know, to pique your interest on a particular thing and maybe then follow up on uh, with, our, with our news programs, whether it's uh, the world over and uh, or uh, you know news nightly or in depth or any of those programs and then of course uh, you know father mitch takes on a lot of these uh topics as, as well as we do sometimes on on father spitzer show with dealing with news articles like the one you know that's out there today uh you know i heard uh, phil lawler commenting and on it with raymond uh from the show uh, the world over this week about the you know the graves that never were in canada uh, and we talked about it with Father Spitzer as well, because somebody had mm-hmm. written us a letter actually saying, ah, you know, you should check yeah. out you know, the fact that they haven't found anything, and they haven't found anything, let alone fifteen or 25,000 uh, graves. Mm-hmm. Th- that's a really uh, uh, important story. And there was a bishop or an archbishop, right, who was at calling for more investigation. I, th- I, I think I read the story on CNA, maybe in the register, that he right. was calling for more investigation on that. Right, absolutely, and it just goes to show, because it wasn't just the fact that the church was taking it on the chin and people were pulling it. There were churches burned down, and mm-hmm. that were clearly was a function of the upsetment, or at least the excuse of the upsetment, over this going on. And for, for churches, I think it was up to, to up to 80, not just Catholic churches, but other Christian churches, uh, for something that turns out to be uh, at least that part of the story seemingly totally fabricated. Uh, but you know these hoaxes go out there, and then they live as urban legends. And you'll you'll be sitting here five years from now, having somebody tell you about how horrible the church was in Canada when it did this. Meanwhile, 
compared to what the secular state was doing, these churches, uh, however misguided they might have been culturally and retrospective of uh, whatever, uh, which is always great hindsight, it's 2020, uh, were doing so much to try to help these people, certainly based on what they believe was important at the time that they were offering the help. Right. Or how about the story I read? It was one of my lead stories this morning that's on Catholic News Agency about the help the church gave to Jews, and they took them in. Absolutely. That right. was another report they put out. I mean, and that's, a, right. that's brand new information. Right, absolutely. And so many times I'm in, you know, the fighting nun when we used to do, she was always defending Pius XII, uh, you know, uh, during uh, the war and things like that. And the issue always comes back, we live in a utopian world on the left where it's always what we should be and could be and wouldn't that be great if it was. And, and you say, listen, could someone have done more? I guess in retrospect, maybe. But the real question is, did somebody do any more? The answer right. is no. He did the most. And so why aren't you focused on the people who didn't do anything? Uh, rather than the one person who did a lot, and maybe you're making uh, the perfect the enemy of the good, uh, because you're trying to make a point, because we have to look behind some of these things and realize, you know, the things against Pius XII came from the deputy, which was basically a communist, uh, you know, mm -hmm. inspired, because it was designed to take away the power of the church in dealing with communism in the, in the Cold War. A lot of the things going on, even in Canada and things like this in the country, these things are used to destroy the church's moral authority, not because they're upset about what allegedly happened, but because they have a much bigger plan to, to be able to say, we're, we, the secular state is going to establish what is right and wrong, yeah. not a church not some god in heaven, but the secular state will make this decision. I'm wondering, and I haven't done a Google search yet, but I'm going to, I wonder how much coverage this story on Catholic News Agency, the one that they're reporting, there was a press release that came out of, out of Rome on this. Right. Then the headline, people should really check this out, documents identify thousands of Jews hidden by Catholic religious during Nazi occupation of Rome. It's, it's posted, posted yesterday. I was reading the story last night. Right. It'll be really interesting, Doug, to see if this is getting any type of coverage outside Catholic and other uh, conservative outlets. I doubt it. I mean, I would doubt it because, again, we all know, and you know better than I from working in the secular world, and it's just gotten worse in the media business, which is that there is a total agenda of of stories that fit their focus. And if it fits their focus and what they've been saying all along, that will get covered. If it doesn't, they just ignore it. It's not that they necessarily get up and debunk it. They just don't report it. Uh, you know, And then they claim later, well, we never said anything about it. Uh, you know, that was negative. Well, because you never said anything about it at, at all. Don't you right. think it's important? How many people know uh, out there that stories like, and I'll say this, I mean, uh, Michael Schellenberger, who studied the whole thing and was very pro with the idea that Trump had colluded with Russia throughout, et cetera, et cetera. By the time everything came out uh, with Mike Taibbi and those with the Twitter files, has come to the conclusion, uh, like the Durham report basically did, and nothing. the other reports, that no there. there was nothing yeah. there. Mm -hmm. But as he said, that doesn't mean my mother doesn't still believe that, that that's what happened. And there's mm -hmm. many good people out there, unfortunately, who get their news from various outlets, and they, they get the initial story, but since these outlets never print retractions, as they say, or on the back page in the newspaper right. in the old days, they never know it got retracted, and they're still walking around thinking that's, that was actually true.
Right, because they don't follow it up, just like the whole COVID thing, as we discussed yesterday with, with Dr. Ray Garendi. We're all the people questioning what happened, as opposed to just pushing for, for masks and, and shutdowns again. And here we are back again with people running around claiming, and, and virtually you're getting this doublespeak that say, well, the studies show the masks really work, but as an individual, it might help you. Uh, well, you know, there, there are lots of things in life a general study will say don't work, but as an individual, uh, maybe it might help you. Uh, but the question is maybe it might help. But you don't mandate or force people to do something because it maybe might help them, uh, even though the studies show as a, as a general group it doesn't help people. Right, right. Uh, and, and they just make people fearful. And that's part of, you hate to say it, but there's a sense out there that, you know, uh, when people are afraid, whether it's uh, post 9-11, justifiably and other things, the government has the ability to enforce greater restrictions. Yep. Well, the answer should be once those those times pull away and we don't we're not under that same thing, those restrictions should go away. But every organization in the world, no matter what it is, doesn't never wants to give up power. Yep. It's all about control. That's what I'm saying. This whole thing is about control. All right, quickly, we have about uh, two minutes, maybe a minute 30. So I'm looking at the website. You have a beautiful event coming up tomorrow in honor of Father John Harvey, which is incredible. Right. Profile and Courage with Father John Harvey. Uh, Well, we got that event. uh, We actually have a program airing today, actually, at 2 p.m., and we've also got the Holy Mass of the 106th anniversary of the fifth apparition of Our Lady of Fatima coming up on the 13th. People can look for that coming from the, the shrine in um, New Jersey. And I just wanted to mention, of course, the EWTM Family Celebration tomorrow will be starting to run oh, our various programs because uh, the Pope was in Mongolia, so we delayed it uh, in deference to him. So uh, on Saturday morning, you'll get a bunch of the talks, and then Sunday afternoon, you get more of them, including a live show with Jeanette Williams and... Uh, and we've also got a new series. It's September, I Forgive, with Immaculate Ilibagiza. Airs Sundays at 11.30 p.m. People should see this. It's all about forgiveness. Uh, and that's a, a powerful thing for a Catholic. We all know that. And also The Quest, a thought-provoking documentary series produced by UD. And people can check that out as well. EWTN.com and also tomorrow at 6, a miracle hunter going to Pompeii. That's going to be really cool. Talking Absolutely. about Blessed Bartolo Longo. Doug, have a great, great day for your anniversary. Give Terry my Thank best. You. And have a great weekend. God bless. You too. And we'll Thanks. talk soon. Ciao, ciao. And we'll be right back. Don't forget, check all of this out and much more. EWTN.com. Does waving to a neighbor improve our well-being? I'm Chuck Gatica, and this is Journey Strong. According to a Gallup survey from last month, it does make us feel better. It's hard for some people to wave or even say hello to a neighbor. For some, it's just the opposite. In our community in Michigan, neighbors drive by and rarely wave. In Florida, where we spend some time, it's just the opposite. The survey indicates that people who regularly say hello to multiple neighbors have higher well-being scores. The perfect zone of well-being is six greetings. A greeting may be a wave, a hello, a fist bump, or even a grunt. There are other benefits like feeling safe, financial well-being, and even career well-being. In Scripture, 1 Peter teaches us to keep loving one another earnestly and show hospitality without grumbling. Check out the Journey Strong tab for more on how friendliness leads to well-being at the homepage of AveMariaRadio.net. What is one of the most challenging doctrines of the Catholic Church to comprehend? It is the mystery of the real presence of Jesus Christ in the sacrament of the Eucharist. The Catholic Catechism tells us that Christ is present to His Church in many ways, 
but most especially in the Eucharistic species, and that his presence in these species of bread and wine is unique. The whole Christ, body, blood, soul, and divinity is truly, really, substantially contained therein. In other words, under sacramental signs, he is physically as well as spiritually present. St. John Chrysostom declares that man does not cause this miraculous occurrence. A man, the priest, acting in the role of Christ, does pronounce the words, but it is Christ himself whose power and grace brings about the transformation of the bread and wine into his body and blood. This is Peggy Stanton, and this has been the Order of Malta's Minute with the Catechism. Twenty-eight minutes past the hour. Thanks so much for tuning in to EWTN. This program is a co-production of EWTN and Ave Maria. You can check us both out online. As I mentioned earlier, a great website for tons of info and great Catholic programming and information. As I mentioned, EWTN.com. And same thing for Ave Maria Radio, AveMariaRadio.net. So this story is such a good example of how people can come together and make a difference. Now, I'm getting this. There's several stories out there. If you just do a Google search and say Irish Town bans smartphones or cell phones for kids, you'll get a number of different reports. Much easier to say no. Irish Town unites in smartphone ban for young children. On the principle of strength in numbers, parents in the Irish town of Greystones, which I understand is outside of Dublin, have banned together to collectively tell their children that they cannot have a smartphone until secondary school, which would be middle school in U.S. terms. Parents associations across the district's eight primary schools adopting a no-smartphone code to present a united front against children's lobbying. If everyone does it across the board, you don't feel like you're the odd one out, and it makes it so much easier to say no. And that's from Laura Bourne, who has, is a mom there. And the longer we can preserve their innocence, she says, the better. Schools and parents in the area took the initiative last month amid concern that smartphones are fueling anxiety and exposing children to adult material. It is a rare example of an entire town taking joint action on the issue, according to the Guardian newspaper. The voluntary pact is to withhold smartphones for children at home, in school, everywhere until their secondary school years. Applying it to all children in the area will, it is hoped, curb peer pressure and dampen any resentment. Childhoods are getting shorter and shorter, said Rachel Harper, the principal of St. Pat's School, who led the initiative. Nine-year-olds had started requesting smartphones. It was creeping in younger and younger, and we could see it happening. Previously, the school's ban or restricted devices on their grounds but still saw the effect of social media on children who had the phones and how this piqued the curiosity of other pupils. A town-wide policy reduces the chances of a child having peer with a smartphone and parents can present the code as a school rule. Now basically they can turn to the schools and say, well, the schools came up with their restrictions. The initiative has also drawn interest from parents' associations in Ireland and abroad and prompted Ireland's health minister, Stephen Donnelly, who lives near Greystone, to recommend it as a nationwide policy. He wrote in the Irish Times, Ireland can be and must be a world leader in ensuring that children and young people are not targeted and are not harmed by their interactions with the digital world. We must make it easier for parents to limit the content their children are exposed to. The Greystones Pack stem from children showing anxiety levels 
only partly attributable to a COVID-era adaption. Schools circulated questionnaires among parents leading to a community of village stakeholders and their own initiative dubbed It Takes a Village. Not all parents will deny their primary school children apart from, though the code is voluntary, but enough have signed up to create a sense of critical mass. Hopefully down the line it will become the new normal. Now what's really powerful about this is that the results are really, really good. I mean, in terms of what the parents are seeing, the New York Post actually had an article about this and showed real positive results, especially in terms of the connection with family. It was so, so beautiful in terms of what was happening. So let me see if I could find this post. And this was just actually recently, two days ago, because it was a really good story about the positive fallout. Now think about this. When we look at how many kids in terms of the statistics have phones, most kids who are about eh, 10, 11 years old, there's a good portion, almost let's say 60%. By the time they get to high school, the statistics are something like 90%, 91% of young people have those phones. So again, New York Post this time picking up on this story and saying parents in a town just 45 minutes outside of Dublin have banned together to enforce a smartphone ban for their children in elementary school. It was just the striking results of the rising anxiety, depression, and everything we noticed of having a mobile phone, especially among young children. Justina Flynn is a clinical psychologist and a resident of Greystones with three children in school, and she spoke with Fox and Friends earlier this week. She said the support this town received was incredible. Again, the parents' associations at eight schools across the town decided earlier this summer to ban the phones. The agreement was entered into jointly by all groups in a rare show of unity among so many groups who could see children restricted from phones at home and school and elsewhere until they reached middle school and high school. And according to this article, I don't have time to read the whole thing, but the results have been extremely positive in terms of less anxiety among the children, closer bonds being formed with the families, more time spent together outside with kids playing and actually reading. I mean, this is such common sense. All too often, I think it's, it's hard for parents and grandparents to resist, right? Well, mom and dad, everybody has one. Of course, if you're like my mother, Rosie, one of the reasons why I wrote the book, Everything's Coming Up Rosie, you know what she would say to me? Another one of her sayings, very common, that I didn't put in the book, if all the kids were jumping off a bridge, would you jump too? In other words, you don't have to do what everyone else does. Nor do I, as a parent, have to do what every other parent does. So it's really incredible, this simple effort of parents coming together and saying, you know what, we need to do something. There are more conversations happening now between parents and their children. The health minister also said, we regulate food and drink and medicines. We have extensive child protections in place in so many areas of our society. And now, finally, we're beginning to do it in the digital space. He added, the health minister, the issues I've raised here are being experienced around the world. Ireland can be and must be a world leader in ensuring that children and young people are not targeted and, again, are not harmed by their interactions with the digital world. The results of this is simple step of saying, okay, Molly or Mike, you're not going to get your cell phone. Maybe you won't even get a cell phone. 
But if you get one, it's not going to be until you're a little bit older. Why does an 8 or 9 or 10-year-old need a phone? Now, some parents say, well, it's safety reasons. Okay, if you're going to do that, as Dr. Meg Meeker says, there are phones available where you can limit the exposure to the various has a plan, a protection plan, to help parents monitor their kids' activity and to limit it and not allow them to have unlimited exposure to everything coming at them. Do you know that cell phones, the computers, time on technology is a big issue when it comes to kids being trafficked because of relationships that are formed in various chat rooms and whatnot? Something so simple, just saying no, at an early age, and maybe, if it were me, monitoring those children, do they really need a phone? Are there other ways to keep in touch with them, to communicate with them? And if you do get a phone, to make sure you limit what's on that phone. It's not about you as a parent being a friend. You're a mom, you're a dad, you're supposed to be helping those kids get to heaven. And limiting restricting access to technology can certainly help do that part of the process fact check friday on this friday september 8th we'll be right back dr shree joining us up next father benedict groeschel I want to welcome you, if you're not familiar, with the wonderful world of the gifts of the Holy Spirit. What will America become if it makes it impossible for the Holy Spirit to work here because of untruth and self-indulgence and paganism? This is not just a nice discussion of the gifts of the Holy Spirit, because I'm going to discuss what happens when people make it impossible to be prudent, just, or honest, or brave, or courageous, or reverent. When people make that impossible, what a terrible thing they do not only to themselves, but to our society. EWTN. Live Truth. Live Catholic. Today, many U.S. citizens chafe under big government and have actually turned anti-government. St. Paul, however, teaches that in some way, the civic authorities are ministers of God. Even King Jesus didn't consider it unjust to give taxes to Caesar. But we must never let Caesar or the king, the prime minister, uh, stand in the place of God and control our conscience. When ancient Israel demanded that Samuel give them a human king, Samuel warned them, that he's going to bring heavy taxes, he's going to bring a military draft, he's going to favor the rich. And when Jesus, the true king, actually arrives, he dies for his people, because that's what a true king is willing to do. King Jesus, still on the throne, no matter what presidents, dictators, or earthly rulers do. And we have to remember, we get our marching orders from him. Cresta in the Afternoon, weekdays at 4 Eastern on EWTN Radio. We can all use 
news, more insight and help in developing and really strengthening our prayer life with the Lord. I'm so excited to hear about this new effort from my dear friend, Dr. Edward Shree. When you pray, a clear path to a deeper relationship with God. How to cultivate a rich and lasting prayer life. So the website from Ascension Press has tons of information on this. But first, let's go to the person himself, Dr. Shree. Good morning. Great to talk to you again. Buongiorno. Good to be with you again. Buongiorno. All right. So tell us about this. So now we have you have a book and you have a workbook that goes with this and videos. Is that correct? Oh, yeah. I'm so excited about this. Out of all the programs I've done, I think this is the one that my heart is probably in the most. Because many of the things I've done, Teresa, have been about the Catholic faith, about the Mass, about Mary, right. about what we believe. This is about the real lived relationship with God. And this is this is where, you know, God changes us, transforms us the most. It's in our prayer life. So the book and the program is not about how to pray. It's more about how do I cooperate with God in prayer? How do I grow in trust? How do I allow God to lead my life more? How do I experience the transformation he wants to do in my soul? So, there, yes, there is a book, and the book could stand on its own. It has 30 short reflections uh, that you can use for your morning prayer. You can take it to the chapel, use it in your house, and it's all little reflections based on the saints. So it's not every three's ideas. I'm just introducing you to St. Catherine of Siena. I'm introducing you to St. Ignatius of Loyola, St. John of the Cross, all the, the wisdom of the Catholic spiritual tradition applied to our walk with God today. But the video series, so that's a, a, for a faith formation program. That that part of the program, what you can use is use it for a men's group, a women's group, a Bible study group. And we filmed around the great country of Italy, <laughs> and it, where so many saints have a connection. Either live oh, it's there, crazy there, 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 right? Yeah. They died there, or there's relics there. So we went all over, and you get to get to know St. Catherine of Siena, and you see where she was raised. You go to CUSCZ, where St. Francis was. We went out to uh, to Subiaco, where St. Benedict lived in the cave and started you know, his, his new life as, in the beginning of the Benedictine Order. So it, we're filming in all these places, but it's an introduction to all the big themes in Catholic spirituality and how we walk with God. So... I have sections where we talk a lot about the life of prayer. We talk about the struggles everybody has in prayer. We get distracted. Prayer gets dry. We don't feel close to God. And how God, how, what, what does God do in the midst of those struggles? We talk about trust. How do I grow in trust? How do I surrender to God's will? How do I find deeper interior peace? How do I overcome the many weaknesses I have? How can I just be a better dad, a better husband, and, and allow God to change my heart in prayer so I could be the, the man I need to be for my wife and for my children? So it's a very practical, um, and uh, it's been so fun getting the chance to, to, the book just came out, and getting to speak on it and hear so many Catholics tell me, I don't have a regular prayer life. I yeah. know I should pray more. I just say prayers. I need to have that quiet time, and, and they're, they're wanting to respond to the challenge to build in daily prayer, and it, it's very encouraging. We're talking with Dr. Edward Shree, of course, from the Augustine Institute, EW Chen, Focus, Ascension Press, and for more information on when you pray, ascensionpress.com, uh, subtitled Clear Path to a Deeper Relationship with God. There is a book and a workbook and a video series, a seven-part series with 30-minute videos. So you could really, I mean, if you wanted to, you could do this on your own, but I always think it's helpful to do this in a group because it's really great to hear what other people have to say. Absolutely, and I, I, there's so many wonderful resources, as you know, out there on marriage, on the sacraments, on the Bible, and uh, th I don't know of other resources like this. It's like a Bible study on prayer, <laughs> you know, so you could be with your other sisters in Christ in, in your women's group, 
And you're sharing here, you're learning about the life of prayer together. You're learning about the spiritual life. And, the, and as you pointed out, Teresa, when you are doing it in a group with other people, you just you learn from their experiences, what their struggles are, how they face them, and it, it really is enriching. So that's why, again, the, the book can stand on its own. You could just use it for your prayer life. That's awesome. But I think the, the, real, the real impact is when you can meet with a group and really talk about the wisdom of John of the Cross together, or St. Therese of Lisieux, and apply it to your life together as brothers and sisters in Christ. So it looks like, I'm looking at the promo video, which is beautifully shot, as I'm sure the whole series is, because you guys do such great work production-wise, very easy to watch and and listen to. It looks like you went to the church where they have the ecstasy of uh, St. Teresa of Avila, uh, the Bernini statue. Is that correct? Did I catch that? Did I see that in there? Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's a beautiful, beautiful statue. One thing that... I try to bring out, and we use that as an example, that when you hear the stories of the saints, sometimes it's, it's a little overwhelming. You know, you hear them, they levitate, and they stay up all night in prayer, and they read people's souls, and bilocate, and I can't do that. <laughs> so I can't relate to them. And we use this scene, it's a famous story called the Transverberation, uh, which we're piercing through, and it's where Teresa of Adel has this dream, or this vision, mm-hmm. of an angel coming and stabbing her with a, an arrow that's on fire, and, and you're like, that's crazy, <laughs> what is that all about? But I, I think the extraordinary things that God does in the saints, like that story, point to the ordinary, wonderful work He wants to do in souls like you and me, is that He wants to pierce our hearts through with His love. He wants to strengthen us in our weakness. He wants to soften our hard hearts. He wants to expand our hearts. So, so like the, the, it was extraordinary what happened with Teresa, but the saints aren't beyond us. That's what I, I bring throughout the book, is that... They, God did do amazing things in them, but sometimes we as Catholics, we make them like Catholic superheroes, and I don't have their superhero power, so I can't relate to them. Because I want to bring them down and show that, no, no, they were like us. They, they had disputes, they made mistakes. They, they, it wasn't about a perfectionism. I think that's what think holiness is. Right. Perfectionism. I have to never make a mistake. You look at lives of the saints. They made mistakes. They fought with each other. They, you know, they, they, they think, they, oh, I wish I did this differently. They had struggles, but here's the thing. God met them in those weaknesses and struggles, and transformed him, transformed them with his grace. And that's what God wants to do in all of our lives. And that's what I'm trying to bring out in the book. It's all about the walk with God and the spiritual life. Well, if you just look, for example, at St. Teresa of Avila, I think she, even though she's right, one of the greatest mystics that ever lived, and she's you know, loved by people not only in the Church but outside the Church for her, the gifts that she left us in her writings and whatnot, but I, I like her because she's so real. Like, she talks about getting distracted during adoration and, like, counting the, the holes in the wall or the nail. I mean, she's looking around at the bricks on the wall. So she had a problem with distraction, and, and this was a doctor of the Church, right? Yeah, this, and this is what I want to bring out, is that uh, the common struggles that we have in prayer, the reason many people don't pray regularly is because they feel like they're not good at prayer. I feel like my mind wanders all the time, I, I don't feel close to God when I'm praying, uh, is it really worth it? And, and I always tell people, you know, you know what, the saints had those same struggles. You know, I, I share some wisdom, for example, in the book, I have several chapters on something St. Catherine of Siena describes, I think is so important is that the devil often will use discouragement to get us to stop praying, because he knows how powerful prayer is. And when we're just sitting quietly with the Lord, we feel like we're not accomplishing anything, it's easier, I'll just pray my rosary. You know, no, no, St. Catherine of Siena, St. Teresa of Avila, all the great things talk about, you need to have that quiet time with God in prayer, that meditation Mm -hmm. every day. But the devil will discourage us to think our prayer is not pleasing to God. So if you ever have those thoughts, I think at prayer, I don't know how to pray, I'm too distracted, my heart's not in it, I don't feel I can get anything out of it, that's not from God, that's from the devil. Because he wants to discourage us 
to keep us from praying. And, and Catherine reminds us that, you know what, even if our mind wanders or our heart wasn't in it, what's most important is you can still give God your intention. Like, if you, if you come to prayer and you say, Lord, I want to give you this time, and it doesn't turn out the best, it's still something beautiful that you're giving to God. I, I, give, I gave you this time, Lord. And I'll just say one last thing here, one example. This is a true story I share in the book, is that on Mother's Day one year, my little girls went into the backyard to go find flowers in the field behind our house to, to give to Beth and put them in a nice vase filled with water, and we're waiting for Mommy to come down. And then uh, the funny thing is, though, the, the flowers in the vase weren't really flowers. They were weeds. And they weren't even Aww. the cute dandelions. You know, dandelions look like pretty flowers, you know, but they right. weren't even dandelions. They were those thorny, spiky weeds that looked like they came out of hell or something. <laughs> it really didn't look pretty. But my wife comes down the stairs. They go, here, Mommy. And my wife just smiles and gives them a hug and says, thank you so much. This is beautiful. <laughs> you know, because she saw not just what was inside the vase. She saw their hearts. And that they wanted to give their mommy a present. And I think our Heavenly Father looks at us the same way. We might go to prayer and feel like, man, I, I was just distracted. That was just a waste of time. Or we may feel like empty, like my vase is empty. But what's most important is that God sees our intention. If I really come and say, God, I give you this time. And even if it goes badly, I can still give God that. I can give him my empty vase. And he'll, right. he smiles and rejoices. Because it's not about the feelings. Love is in the will, and it's the commitment to be faithful to Jesus in time, giving him time every day in prayer. Yeah, I mean, I'm sure we all have those times when we're, we're sitting there, we just say, you know what, I got nothing right now. I just want to be here with you. I just, I, I'm just, just here. Just speak to me. Just, just take what I have, whether it's, you know, as you said, an empty vessel right now. There's nothing, what you're, because you're still making time to be with God. Yeah, and in fact, there's a, a great story of a of Mother Teresa that I tell in the book about a priest that I know that was doing a retreat with, with her and the sisters, and he was in the chapel and with Mother Teresa, and he was distracted in prayer and walking out feeling a little sad about his prayer life. And then Mother Teresa all of a sudden looks him in the eye. He didn't say anything about what happened in his prayer time, but she read his soul and says, Father, never leave the chapel feeling discouraged. Never feel uh-huh. like, you gave, like, like, like you accomplished nothing. Give God your nothing. Like, you can still give that to God in humility. Lord, this is the best I could do. I, I, I think this is so important. Saint, uh, I, I quote St. Faustine in the book where she says, One act of trust in such moments in prayer, those moments of darkness, dryness, distraction, she says, One act of trust in those moments gives God more glory than countless hours spent in consolation. Because, again, it was when you get the feelings in prayer, I got good insights, I felt close to God, that's wonderful, it's a gift. But that's not a sign of my holiness. It's when I actually trust God that this is worth my time, even if I don't feel like I'm getting anything out of it. That gives God more glory than when I get all these feelings out of prayer, because I'm making the act of the will and the sacrifice. It's hard to be there, and I'm trusting Him that this prayer makes a difference in my life, even when I don't feel like I'm getting anything out of it. Now, Ted, you can sign up, and I just did that, by the way, for a free preview of when you pray a clear path to a deeper relationship with God, right? Yeah, you can go right there on the Ascension Press website. You go to ascensionpress.com slash when you pray. I'll take it right there, ascensionpress.com slash when you pray. Uh, and you get a free preview. You can just review the videos, and you'll, you'll get to see that, yeah, like as you pointed out, they, they did just an amazing job, beautiful cinematography. But it brings you into the sites of the various saints, you know. So we, I think the episode, the opening episode is on Mother Teresa, and we talk about how she came to Rome and the first house she built in Rome, and you get to see those places as we talk about her spiritual life. So it's a great way to get to know the many great saints, 
and make them relatable to your own life and apply them in the struggles you have in prayer and in your spiritual life. I really think something like this, and I hope this happens because you and I both lead pilgrimages, that you can watch something like this, and, and really this is a mini pilgrimage. It's a seven sessions. But then this hopefully will encourage people to think about doing a pilgrimage because you, I, I just look at those places, and we've got two pilgrimages coming up in the fall. We've got one in October with our mutual friend Kelly Walquist, and the Deacon Dom and I are doing another in November. And I love these places because every time I go to them, even though I've been to them, I've been blessed to be to them many times, it really does help me understand that saint a little bit more deeply and even my faith. And what's really cool is there are some off-the-beaten-path places with the saints, and you mentioned, of course, the cave with St. Benedict and, and some other locations. For example, we take our pilgrims to Greccio, where St. Francis mm-hmm. began the first, started the first crash, which a lot of people don't go to because yeah. it's in the, literally in the middle of nowhere. But those, it, it, gives you, it gives you, I think, a bigger picture of who they were and how they made the effort to get to these locations that meant so much to them, even if they were dry for a particular day, and just be with God in those locations. Yeah, the theme of pilgrimage actually is kind of a, a the, the theme of the study. Uh, the opening chapter of the book, and I talk about the, what I call the pilgrimage of prayer. And, and the point I make, and you'll appreciate this, is you know when you go to like St. Peter's or you go to all these wonderful sites, you know you see all these tourists. They come in, they take their picture, they go, "Wow, this is beautiful," but you know they don't really understand what what this church is all about. This church is meant is built. To, to facilitate an encounter with Jesus, <laughs> right. and an encounter with Him and the saints. And, and so a, a pilgrim goes into that church differently. It goes into the same church, admires the beauty, and you know, learns about the history, but they're going to, to, to meet Jesus. They're going to encounter God and let God speak to them through the beauty, through the statues, through the saints that's buried there. And, and that's what prayer is. Prayer isn't just about going to the chapel and I, I say words. You know, or I just read something, or I just learn something. I hear many people tell me that, oh, Dr. Yeah, I pray, I listen to a podcast. And I'm like, hey, you know, listening to podcasts is great, that can enrich your spiritual life, but that's not technically prayer. Right. Uh, or they say, you know, I, I pray Our Fathers and Hail Marys, or I pray the Rosary, or I do the morning prayer, or evening prayer of the Church. Again, those are beautiful parts of, of prayer life. We should have those as part of our life. But all the saints are calling us to that deeper level of prayer that we need if we really want to be transformed, if I want really God's love to change my heart. That happens only when we have that quiet time in prayer where I'm listening to God, listening to the Lectio Divina or Ignatian Meditation. Yep. You know, these kinds of quiet time prayers, personal prayer, that's what's most essential. Amen. And get a lot out of this with those examples. When you pray, a clear path to a deeper relationship with God. A book, a workbook, and a video series. Seven sessions with our friend Dr. Edward Shree. AscensionPress.com for more information. And we're going to have him back on in the end of the month with more on this program. We'll be right back on a Friday. Would you get on a plane that doesn't have a pilot? Investing in passive index mutual funds may present the same issue. The Ave Maria mutual funds are actively managed by seasoned investment professionals to help you meet your investment goals in a morally responsible way. Ave Maria funds are managed to conform to pro-life and pro-family values. Long-term investors could invest in the no-load Ave Maria Mutual Fund. You can learn more about the Ave Maria Mutual Funds at 866-AVE-MARIA or visit AveMariaFunds.com. This program is brought to you by the following nonprofit underwriter. CMF Curo is the Catholic health care option you've been searching for. From concierge service to ethical consultations to partnerships with one of the nation's largest health care sharing ministries, CMF Curo offers a pro-life, Catholic approach to your overall health and well-being. Find out today if CMF Curo is right for you. Call 833-GET-CURO. That's 833-G-E-T-C-U-R-O. 
or visit MyCatholicHealthCare.com. People ask how they can care for older family members who can't fully care for themselves. One answer is Visiting Angels, America's choice in senior home care. Visiting Angels assists adults nationwide with 600 locations to continue living at home and not have to move into a nursing home. Their caregivers provide assistance in hygiene, meals, and light housework. Services are provided up to 24 hours per day, and you can select your caregiver before service begins. More information, including franchise opportunities, is on the web at visitingangels.com. This Ave Maria program is brought to you by the following. Weaving its way through the heart of the Holy Land is a well-worn path that once felt the footsteps of our biblical faith heroes, Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, King David, and Jesus. From sponsor TVN with host David Friedman and Mike Pompeo comes a sacred journey of hope along Route 60, the biblical highway. In theaters September 18th and 19th, it's Route 60, the biblical highway. Information in Route60.movie. That's Route60.movie. Wishing you a beautiful weekend, moving through the month of September already, my goodness, and uh, make it a point to ask for the intercession of Our Lady today on this memorial of her nativity. God love you, and talk soon, hopefully on a Monday. You've been listening to Catholic Connection with Teresa Tamio. Catholic Connection is a co-production of Ave Maria Radio and EWTN Radio and carried across the EWTN Global Catholic Radio Network. Our producer is Andrew Kruchek. For copies of this program or for more information, visit AveMariaRadio.net. That's A-V-E-MariaRadio.net. Thanks for listening and join us next time for another edition of Catholic Connection.